Hey everybody, Tom Salemi here of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. This is a really, really stellar episode. I hope you'll, uh, I know you'll enjoy it. I hope you'll share it. A lot of great advice from our uh, our guest today, Holly Scott. She's Vice President and Senior Partner at the Mullings Group. It's an executive search firm. And uh, we talked, well, Holly was kind enough to uh, to offer commentary through the New Markers Newsmakers. So she not only uh, participated in the New Markers Newsmakers, but she was also our guest. And we talked to her about what folks can do specifically if they have been laid off uh, from a medical device company, because this is Device Talks Weekly Podcast, but actually from any company. It's really great advice. So uh, again, Holly stayed with us through the New Markers Newsmakers, covered a lot of ground, talking about a lot of different companies. But uh, make sure you uh, take some notes at the end. She's got uh, five great steps for uh, ensuring that if you've had a minor setback, it, it will only be a minor setback. And you can find great new opportunities quickly uh, at your next job. So before we begin this episode, though, I wanted to remind you of a few things. Number one, and this is kind of related, we're starting our uh, season four of Device Talks Tuesdays. It's happening on noon on Tuesday, brought to you by the great folks at Cybellum. We'll be talking about healthcare, supply chain, security, specifically against cyber threats. You can go to devicetalks.com to get more information about that presentation. But uh, that will start off, again, season four of Device Talks Tuesdays. We'll be back every Tuesday, usually at 4 p.m. The one on Tuesday with Cybellum is at noon, as I said, I think I said. Uh, but uh, usually we'll be at 4 p.m. Eastern. And uh, we're really grateful to everyone who's participated in the past. And I really do think Device Talks Tuesday is just a great way for you to solidify your skill set, to learn how to do new things, to understand how you might do things you currently do better. And uh, it is time well spent, and it is your time. You can spend it when you want. You can register and watch it live, and that's always fun because I get to interact with you. But you can also watch it on demand. So if you can't watch it until you get home at night, it's an hour. You can you can have the laptop on the kitchen counter when you're uh, preparing dinner and uh, have your Bluetooth headphones on and sort of keep an eye of what's going on. So lots of lots of great ways, again, to uh, to remain informed, to keep sharp, and to uh, keep your career moving forward, we'll have over 30 episodes of Device Talks Tuesdays this year. So make sure you go to devicetalks.com to check it out. And of course, we want to meet with you in person at Device Talks Boston, which is happening on May 10th and 11th. We'll uh, get the agenda, the full agenda, up soon, very soon, or I will be uh, I will be punished <laughs> uh, by our events team. But uh, the pieces are there. I'm just putting the puzzle together, and it's going to be great. There's so many great conversations with uh, with our, our partners who will be giving their expert insights, but also we'll have uh, presentations by Abbott and Boston Scientific and Zimmer and Zimvi and Becton Dickinson and Olympus and Phillips, and I know I'm missing people, Medtronic. So uh, there's a lot going on, and I hope you will join us there at Device Talks Boston. Information on that is also available at devicetalks.com. And uh, don't miss the opportunity to uh, to register with our early bird registration rate. You'll save 300 bucks, which is almost 50% off the full price. Uh, so it ain't nothing. And uh, you have until uh, March to do that. So check it out and uh, register now. Uh, it's going to be a great couple of days. 
and uh, for for uh, three ninety five, it's uh, it's a steal. So make sure you go to devicestalks.com and register right away. That's it. I've talked enough. Now you get to hear me talk some more on this week's episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Chris Newmarker, how are you, sir? Good to be here, Tom. Good to be here. How are we feeling today? You weren't feeling too well yesterday. No, yes, we're talking on Friday, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, like people listen to the podcast enough. No, I have little kids, so we uh, we get everything imaginable in our house. So yeah, this mm. was the uh, yeah the um, the the Newmarker family uh, stomach bug palooza going on this week, you know. But um, I think uh, I think we're we're moving. At least I've moved beyond now. Now there's others who now you just have need, to take care of everybody else, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah we're moving into that. So. Now I'll, I'll give you credit for your Ripken Ripken esque approach. You were ready to do the podcast yesterday, but we decided let's just wait. I was I was like, yeah, I can do it, Tom. I can do it. I can do it. like no. It's like yeah, you're you're like, bless you, Tom. Bless you for being like no, dude. Don't don't do that. Yeah, no, no. we need full Chris Newmarker, one hundred percent. Go to eleven, Chris Newmarker yeah, for we, these podcasts. We don't we don't want yeah. No, yeah. There's there's some things we don't don't want on, on our <laughs> podcast. What we something we do want on this podcast are great guests like our guest today, our, our guest co-host. We have Holly Scott of the uh, Mullings Group. Welcome, Holly. Well, thank you. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Yes. It occurred to me, I think we talked on the phone yesterday or Wednesday, and it might have been the first time we actually spoke to each other, but I see you on LinkedIn and you see me LinkedIn. We comment so much all the time that you you swear you know people, and then you're like, oh, that's what she sounds like. So it's yes. great to actually now we're seeing each other. So this is fantastic. 100% agree. There's some benefits of this this video and, and virtual world we've been living in in the last five plus years or whatever, where we can kind of gain momentum on relationships. And right. by the time we actually meet in person, it's like, oh, I've known you for years. Exactly. Exactly. So, Will, uh, Will you're, you're, you're been kind enough to join us and add your expertise uh, to the Newmarkers Newsmakers, since Chris and I have run out of interesting things to say, I think. But we'll, we'll do our best to, to muster them. But uh, after that, we're going to uh, just talk about the last item, which I'll yeah. I'll spill the beans, it has to do with with the layoffs in the industry, and I just think, I mean, we've all been at a point in our career where we've we've had to reset either because of our decision or someone else's decision. In my case, it was someone else's decision, and there are ways I think you can things you could do to to find uh, an even better place than you were before. So hopefully, we can explore those sort of uh, those sort of uh, discussions or, or follow that sort of discussion a little later on in the podcast. So, but before we get into the, the new markers, uh, Holly, how did you uh, wind up at uh, at the Mullings Group? It looks like you joined the med tech industry around the same time I did, the late, uh, the mid to late nineties. I did, I did. I, uh, I I came to know Joe Mullings through another search firm experience I had been at for about a year and a half. I was recruiting in chemical engineering, and it was a, it was a, I was I was doing fine. It was an interesting business model. I liked what I was doing. I liked the people I was doing it with, but the the market itself was sleepy. You know, chemical engineers move from Iowa to, you know, very rural Georgia. And, you know, it takes <laughs> like three to six months to actually move them. And, you know, it was, it was interesting. I learned a lot. 
And at the time, um, the Mullings group was at its infancy and was introduced to Joe. And he said, um, in no uncertain terms, I don't know about this. I don't do well with women. And I said, yeah, well, let's give it a give it a whirl. <laughs> and, uh, basically, <laughs> I said, I'm going to learn from you for a few years and I'm going to go out and do it on my own. He's like, all right, high five. Let's do this. And uh, frankly, I've never stopped learning. We have built this incredible, incredible team and this incredible organization that supports um, something I'm passionate about, which is building young emerging tech, med tech companies, life science companies. So haven't stopped having fun, haven't stopped learning, and we're just continuing to grow. So it's it's all great. That's what it's all about, really is. Absolutely about being passionate and and loving what you do. So when does, uh, I've obviously I'm aware of groups like the Mullings uh, group now, but before I never really considered the role that search firms play in, in building a company. Are you brought in, and this, the answer is probably be both, are you brought in to identify uh, single senior position folks? Are you also brought in to say, look, we have to add 50 folks to R&D. We need your help to find people there. When When is, is the Mullings group and other groups like it sort of brought into uh, to the company building process? Well, I'll speak to the Mullings group because I think it's been organic and it's been what I know. And and that has been um, we, both. Yes and yes. We're brought in for specific sniper, C-suite hires, board roles, executive hires that are really critical or there's a specific skill set needed. However, with our our growth and our history on the younger company side, we are are now brought in and help map out what that organization needs to look like in order to meet the milestones and the endpoints that are required, valid, and, and critical in mm-hmm. order for these organizations to be successful. So um, having conversations early and often, especially with young and new CEOs, new founders, new CTOs, new individuals yeah. who are doing this for the first time, and they're saying, wow, I've got this cool magical technology, um, but I have no idea how to get it through the FDA or how to get it reimbursed or how to get it you know, paid yeah. for or in the team to, to get us there. And, oh, by the way, I don't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, um, we're so so we take all of those pieces into account. And that's where we've gotten really strong at building organizations holistically. So we, we don't think as um, headhunters that are going in and recruiting for one hire. We're thinking, how can we help this organization move this technology forward because I see the clinical benefit, I see the patient benefit, the, the, the surgeon benefit, the, the payer benefit, you know, that we, we think more big picture. And that's because we've been doing this for 30 years. It's, mm-hmm. it's really the byproduct of placing the early R&D engineers that have become the CEOs and, and board members of today. So that's yeah. where, that's where it's, it's been a, a beautiful ride. That's very cool. And I'm sure like, like Chris and I have been covering companies for a long time and, you know, you'll see a company you wrote about when they just started and then later on they're acquired or they did something awesome. And you have, you know, we have absolutely zero ownership in that, (laughs) but we like to say, well, that was cool. Like I I wrote about their series A now they're, now they're, now they've, they've uh, launched their product or they've been acquired. You do you have that same sort of, or a greater sense of ownership with some of these companies you're working with? Yes, yes, that that feeling is it's the best, you know, when you really see these these companies become successful in their own right, you think, man, I had a little bit to do with that. It's a a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Yeah, Chris and I like to tell us tell ourselves we do, but uh, we know the truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just wrote articles about that, but I would <laughs> I would say, I mean, yeah, like it's it's always 
I, I always just get this like positive, hopeful feeling in myself when I, you know, talk to somebody who's, you know, running a startup because I mean, they're like beginning something, they're growing something, you know, the flip side of it is a lot of them don't, don't make it. But at the, so when they do, you're just like, you're like, that's awesome. I, you know, that I, I, I spoke to so-and-so when they were just, you know, starting out and they were like sharing a cubicle and, you know, somebody else's, you know, offices or whatever, you know, um, you know, like working out of their house or whatever they had to do. And like now they're, you know, they've built a, you know, 20, 40, $100 million company. I mean, that's, that's exciting. Right. It is exciting. Yeah. And I think one of the the, the, the the nice vantage points I have is those organizations, which let's face it, most of them don't make it as far as they initially think they're going to. I see the 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 battle wounds and scars and the ability and that experience that they're able to build on. So maybe their first startup wasn't so great, but then they were able to take those lessons learned and go on and build on in their second or be an incredible part of a big strategics team as they were looking at that particular market. Because from a career perspective, the, the lens is different, you know, right. and, and it, yeah. success and success is not measured by exclusively outcomes. So, uh, yeah, so it's fascinating. That's right. And then, then you have the instances where you used to email the CEO directly and now you're you're directed to their executive assistant because they're such big shots. And you're like, do you know how long I've been that. emailing this person? Right. Like, yeah. Now yeah. I'm getting executive <laughs> like now I'm getting scheduled like any other person. My I'm just God. I'm just chopped liver now. Come on. <laughs> uh we know they're very, very busy. Like, like oh no, they hired a PR person. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris Newmarker, let's uh, let's roll out yeah, let's... Uh, another less than uh, I don't want to kill the messenger, Chris Newmarker, but uh, I know. a little happy would be nice. But let's let's roll into uh, into this week's Newmarker's. I know the new the Newmarker's newsmakers. <laughs> I, I wish it was more cheery, you know, especially as our <laughs> days get brighter. And, you know, I, I, I dream of the snow going away here in Minnesota. But um, no, it's uh, it's been quite a week. So you know, number five. On the uh, list, uh, you know, this is this is Baxter, you know, uh, appointing appointing three executives, you know, to uh, you know to lead, uh, you know, new new groups that they are forming in the company as part of a reorganization, and uh, that that reorganization includes, uh, you know, the company last week uh, said it was going to lay off up to five uh, percent of their uh, their global workforce. Force, which if you know you look at what you know the uh, the total headcount they had in the most recent annual report that that should be about you know roughly three thousand um, you know people are getting let go over at uh, over at Baxter. Um, they're also you know spinning out their uh, renal care and acute uh, therapies uh, units. So um, I mean it's interesting. I mean I I still I still will stick by that. Like I do not think that the layoffs we're seeing in medtech are as bad as what we're seeing in other industries mm-hmm. like uh, like high tech or or you know the traditional you know media companies. Um, I mean Holly, I mean any any thoughts about what's going on over at Baxter? Well, it, it, it's Baxter as well as a, a number of other big strategics, right. right? You know, you know, really really pulling back and and focusing, and it, it some of it is allowing them to use their capital without the big governance of the big parent and and the impact on other businesses. So business wise, yeah. it could loosen up some opportunity, you know, again, coming from the career, uh, career perspective, those that are within these young or within these more flexible, more nimble organizations may see their impact become greater, uh, which could be beneficial. 
especially yeah. if they have now some cash to make some additional bolt-on acquisitions, which I expect to, to happen as the year goes on. I mean, we are definitely in uh, an M&A season. So, yeah, it's it's for the people who are affected, we're going to spend some time on that, Tom, on, you know, of course, uh, on what to do. But yeah. Um, yeah. It, th- that that's a different situation. But for those who are, are currently within these organizations, it, it, try to, you know, focus on what's in front of you. Sometimes yeah. the hype outside is distracting and it could be it could really um, incite some power in your role, in your organization, in your team. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out in place. We were talking about sort of remaining optimistic early on. Um, and, and you hear about the spinouts from Baxter and, of course, Invecta and, of course, ZimV. And there's been a number yeah, of electronic is spinning out. I do think, I like to think anyway, that as these smaller companies, and you alluded to this earlier, Holly, get out there and get their, their footings and, and, and get in a position to grow that this could actually lead to a bumper crop of smaller strategics that are going to be building through acquisition and innovation and really creating new opportunities. Is that pie in the sky or, or do you see things similarly, Holly, in terms of having a number of independent, more um, independent, independent players with, with management in charge who really have their hand on the steering wheel as opposed to just being part of a, a bigger ship? Definitely. I, I, the the ability to move quicker and and be agile and make decisions is the benefit. Um, let's also not forget it's a trend. There yeah. will be, you know, uh, another few years, they're going to all be rolling up again. You know, they're going to all be rolling up again and it'll be another a story. So this trend right now mm-hmm. that we can stay close to is these these more agile organizations with cash to burn. Um, they're they're profitable and they are going to need bolt-on acquisitions, especially in the AI digital space, mm-hmm. because yeah. no one's no one's and that's that's really good news for the tech sector that's been hanging on, in and around and the healthcare marketplace is those opportunities are coming and they're going to need these organizations to be part of the future of these these new these new business units there's no there's no there's there's no way that they can that they can be successful without them you mentioned in Becta, i mean tom i mean that that's kind of an interesting story because i mean right now i mean their their stock is is up pretty well in recent weeks because i mean they they beat the street really well they up their guidance and they're working really hard on you know this uh this patch based closed loop insulin pup for people with type two diabetes, and it's hard to think that they would be trying to move as fast on that if they were, you know, still in a, like a larger company such as BD. So I mean, that's kind of exciting to, you know, see those smaller companies. And you're right, Holly. It seems like it's a cycle that we see over the decades. You know, you acquire, 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 and then you spin off and spin off. But you know, it's it's kind of exciting to you know be in this time when we got like kind of like these, you know, smaller companies that are more pure med tech, like you know, trying to do some cool things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, there's that, that it's the checks and balances, right? So we get to a point where there's, there's, there, there's got to be the change and that's what's driving it. They need to, to course correct, adjust, and then we'll see the gaps. They'll declare themselves. They already are. They're starting to look at where those gaps are going to be. And these larger strategics don't innovate. This is why I've been, we've had a, a tremendous practice. It focuses on young organizations that do, because that is where the money goes in the times that are yeah. are challenging, and then the organizations that come back to fill those gaps come back to these types of, of companies as potential uh, bolt-ons. 
kind of funny. You could could leave for another, you know, smaller company that's doing something exciting that you eventually end up back where you began potentially. It's kind of wild. I've seen that happen. That I've seen it happen more. Like, I've back. seen it happen many times, actually. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's why I always counsel people: make sure you resign on as good of terms yeah, as exactly. possible. As they, as they said it, what the old Hollywood say: you know, be be nice to people on the way up. You know, <laughs> that is right. That That's is right. right. Don't, don't burn those bridges. All right, Kristen yes. Marker. Let us roll on to number four on the New Marcus Newsmakers. You know, this kind of plays in a, in a bit into that whole talk about the, you know, dynamic of like really large companies, innovation, whatnot. Um, th- this was really, this was a, an interesting lawsuit we came across in federal court in California. There's, uh, you know, applied medical resources, um, which I have to confess, I mean, they kind of fly a bit under the radar in the news because they're they're a privately held you know, company in California, but I mean, they're, you know, they're an 800 million a year company with 5,000 employees. I mean, so, and, you know, they've been working for decades on innovation and the surgical devices space, but they're, they're suing Medtronic. You know, they're, they're saying Medtronic's acting like a, a monopoly in the uh, surgical devices space. And, uh, you know, they're, the, the lawsuit that they filed is focusing on advanced bipolar devices. Um, and they're saying that, you know, Medtronic is shutting them out of, uh, of hospitals with bundling agreements. That's their accusation, you know, and they're, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, basically saying like our, our, you know, our device, you know, which I mean, these, uh, devices, by the way, are, you know, used to cut tissue and seal blood vessels, but they're saying our device is more affordable. Um, but, you know, Medtronic, you know, makes so many different things because they're such a huge company that, you know, these, uh, you know, huge group purchasing organizations and even individual hospitals are like, well, we can't buy this because we'll like run afoul of our overall bundle agreements and all the savings that Medtronic uh, gives us. And uh, they had an interesting stat in their lawsuit where they said that here in the U.S. they have 3% of the share of that market, but in Europe where there's a lot more you know, scrutiny of the bundling practices, they've got 50% in some, some countries, you know, so, I mean, you know, it'll, you know, if this was like a really tiny company filing something like this, I'd probably, you know, I'd, you know, but, you know, they're 800 million company, they have money, they, I know they, they had a a lot of uh, litigation with Covidian in the early 2000s over trocar devices. Um, You know, we'll see where this goes. I mean, I've also noticed the Biden administration has been a lot more aggressive on antitrust activities. So, um, you know, Medtronic uh, shared a statement saying uh, saying the claims are baseless and they'll defend themselves against this lawsuit. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, it, on one hand, it sounds just like normal business practice, so the act of bundling. But uh, yeah. how much is too much, I guess, is the question, right? Um, if you're completely snuffing out competition. Um, I don't know, Holly, do you have any uh, any insights in this? It's, it's kind of a it's one that I have a hard time getting my head around. Yeah, I kind of had the same feeling you did, Tom. It's almost like business as usual, um, unless this is going to be a class action deal. You're talking yeah. about this is this is the, the bundling and the and the purchasing contracts and agreements. Boy, that's a big nut to go after. So yeah. uh, I give them credit; they had to be 800 million to try and chase this gorilla. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah you're right. I think they can probably like see like is anybody else, any other companies going to join them on this? You know, it, you know. It, you know, is the is the DOJ going to join in on this? You know, down the road, but um, but yeah, it's uh got got a lot of views on Mass Device when it when it hit hit onto the site, and uh, yeah, well, we'll see where it goes. There, I was just thinking that there's a lot of talk about this, especially when it comes to commercialization strategy, because there's a huge, huge question concern about what really is going to happen to sales 
and sales strategy overall as we continue to move forward where more control lays less at the hands of the surgeon and the, and the actual clinician and less at the hands of the of the device company that's actually driving it. I mean, gone are the days where you walk in and shake hands, take the take the doc to lunch and, and you know, expect yeah. to get sales. So much, so much of this ties in. So it, it may this may actually open up a lot of a very interesting discussions because I'm sure there's a lot of antitrust issues going on at a smaller level that we mm-hmm. haven't heard about. You know, this one yeah. is one that is we got big numbers attached to it, but these kinds of cases are are always bubbling. And, yeah. and typically they don't get very far, but now with the momentum around the way purchasing decisions are made, it, it, it may be the right discussion at the right time, contrary yeah. to yeah. The history. Yeah, I think it also depend on uh, sort of who's in the, the who's in Congress, who's in charge. You know, I could certainly envision a time when suddenly medical device companies become the uh, the target du jour. And uh, the, the, the entities responsible for all of this or all of that. So it's not too hard to envision uh, the environment changing quickly and uh, these issues becoming more important. Yeah, I haven't I haven't uh, researched it a lot at this point, but I, I in the um, in the lawsuit filing, they were kind of pointing to like some congressional hearings and in recent years over group purchasing organizations. So, of course, we you know, we've got a Republican House now. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, we were seeing Congress's targeting of tech, and uh, yeah, it seems to fall on the Republican side of the House now, but it could easily just fall on the Democratic side as well. I don't think it's necessarily yeah. a, a red or blue sort of issue. Um, You're if, right. If it becomes low-hanging fruit for someone, you could certainly see uh, things turning around quickly. So this this certainly is one to watch. You're complaining that your constituents are you yeah. know are getting you know soaked on medical costs because of whatever you know. Yeah, that's so. That's an issue that has traction. Yep, for sure. I feel like we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of court cases coming to fruition. I wonder if this is sort of the backlog from COVID. You think? You think things are just kind of working through the the system now? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I yeah. mean, maybe know, I'm wrong. Like... Maybe I'm just was used to not seeing any because of COVID, and now it just seems like there's a lot. But I feel like we're talking about this every week. There was, you know, when the pandemic started, there was a lot of, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff getting just settled, yep. you know, including yeah. IP, you know, That's so right. we had a lot of stuff, you know, cause it was like, yeah, it wasn't worth it to fight this out when, you know, the, the world was kind of ending, but you know, now, uh, you know, now we're, we've moved beyond that period. And, you know, it's like, all right, let's, uh, you know, the, uh, looks, it looks like the lawyers are back to work. So. <laughs> I thought, uh, I thought Jim, Jim Hammer and... to be a lawyer. Again, <laughs> I guess. I thought... I thought Jim Hammerhead on uh, Medical Design and Outsourcing had a, a great article about uh, Minerva and Hologic. Uh, the oh my gosh! Yeah, was that... device device displays this device display backfires on Minerva in patent dispute with Hologic, and it was the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit yesterday. Yeah, upheld a lower court's ruling against Minerva Surgical in a patent dispute with Hologic, and the founding was essentially that Minerva had a prototype that they displayed at a at an yeah. industry conference, and by doing so, that put it in gosh. the public use arena. Uh, they weren't able to file a patent yeah. for it because it was already in, in the public use arena. So uh, sure. that was interesting. We, you know, we're always sort of kind of rolling our eyes at how sensitive medical device companies are, at showing us this and not showing this, us that. But I read that, I'm like, okay, like I see why yeah. people are very careful. <laughs> you know, and Minerva made the argument in the case, like, like, well, we hadn't put it in a person yet. Yeah, you right. Know, and, the, and the judge was like, nah, you know. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it was out there in a room with thousands of people walking around. Yeah, it was a prototype. You had a prototype. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. I think uh, anybody who is involved in trade shows and med tech should uh, should should read that article. I think it was it was a really good read. And yeah, Jim Jim had a good way of introducing it. So I I had that at MVM West. I forget who I walked up to their booth, but they were still setting up, and they're like, "Uh, "Oh, you can't see that. Oh, you can't see that. Oh, you can't see that." And now I understand why. So yes. All right. Chris, New yeah, York, I, still, I still remember visiting one design firm around the Twin Cities where they were like, can you just sign this non-disclosure visit, you know, the agreement before you walk? And I'm like, then why do you have me here? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have my, to disclose. That's my job. That's <laughs> my whole ex- reason for existing. <laughs> I'm a discloser. <laughs> that's right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what's uh, what's oh, number gosh. three on the list, Chris Newmarker? All right, number three on the the list, uh, you know, we have uh, you know Titan Medical uh, at this point. Oof. They, um, yeah, I mean, they laid off a lot of senior leadership. Actually, some background was that they, um, you know, recently, I mean, they were you know looking for strategic alternatives, which included you know potentially selling the company. But they, you know, you know, basically recently announced that um, I mean, you know, apparently no one's really interested in. No one wants to buy the company right now, or it seems like they've they've had trouble finding somebody. So they're they're focusing a lot more on just selling the IP. You know that re, re, yeah, that's resulted in them you know laying off you know forty eight employees at you know at uh you know, actually they've laid off at this point. You know they've got eighteen you know remaining employees at the at the company. You know now a lot of uh, senior leadership is is out as well. So you know it's just. You know, t- tough story. I mean, it's a really competitive space, surgical robotics. Um, you know, they had a, um, you know, trying to bring bring to market a, uh, you know, a surgical robotic system that had kind of like these snake arm instruments that came, you know, could go through a single incision. But um, yeah, this just looks like, uh, yeah, at this point, they're looking to sell their IP. You know, one interesting thing was a lot of that IP, they, you know, they, they were, you know, like one thing that helped keep them going for a few years was they had a, you know, partnership with Medtronic. Um, yep. You know, so it's, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, sometimes, yeah, it's like, like, like uh, hoping for, uh, for the best over there. Yeah, I think at the time we had speculated maybe Medtronic would be a buyer, but then it occurred to me later on that if they were a buyer, I don't think it ever would have got to that public stage of them announcing they were yeah. looking for a buyer. So, uh, Holly, yeah. what do you, what do you take of, make of this? I mean, obviously, I think we're going to see some sort of shakeout on the surgical robotic side of thing. I don't know if this is that or if this is just something isolated to to Titan. Well, I think it's I think it's a it's a result of just an incredibly challenging market for robotics in general the last the last few years and 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 of course the the pandemic didn't didn't help you know access to hospitals and everything else. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about these big capital expenditures that are changing clinical practice that has been done for years and years and years, you've got an uphill battle already. So, you know, Titan, unfortunately, this was not not too much of a surprise. I will say that there's some incredible talent within talent within Titan, yeah. as well as within many, many of these robotics companies that are that are um, in in working through the what they need to to try to get something to market. There's mm-hmm. the, the the talent in the and the the experience and the aptitude that they've had to bring to these organizations to move the needle on the complexity. These are incredibly challenging devices and clinical protocol and everything else. So, you know, so yeah, I mean, unfortunately, Titan in particular wasn't a huge surprise. The writing's been on the wall for, you know, a long time. Um, 
And it's more of what we know to be true in the surgical space. There's there's light at the end of the tunnel. There are companies that are coming through and, and doing some really cool things. Yeah. Um, but it's just gonna it's it's taken a lot longer, which means it's been a lot more expensive than most people expected. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. Yeah, you're right. The pandemic threw up more challenges on on some of these companies. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's a very competitive, very exciting space. I mean, kind of the flip side is some you know some companies then. If we got that amount of competition, are going to make it to the other side. Um, you know, another story we had in the past week was, um, you know, Vicarious Surgical announcing layoffs. And in that case, it really seemed like the company was really like focusing on just, you know, getting, you know, like I think a phrase their CFUs, it was like focusing on getting the robot off the door, out the door. So it was kind of like they build up some extra things like in anticipation of eventually marketing and they're kind of cutting back. But, um, you know, the investors responded positively to that. They were like, okay, you're, you know, like really trying to focus on what's important. And um, and one interesting thing was when I posted it on LinkedIn, um, one of your colleagues in Ohio commented and was like, hey, anybody who's been you know, let go over there, you know, reach out to me, you know, because I, you know, I'd be interested, you know, and it's it's true. I mean, you, people who join those type of companies, I mean, those are, you know, some really, you know, I, I think the, those are probably a lot of really cool individuals because, I mean, you're, you know, you're really excited about that space and, you know, you want to, you know, you want to do the next big thing in it. So, yeah, even being let go, you still have the experience. That's, totally. that's, that's, again, it comes back to the career lens. What I see is the individual who goes to these very novel entrepreneurial um, environment where they're they're trying and pushing the needle on something dramatically new, it, that can't be taken away from you. That that yeah. goes with you to your next venture, and you are a better, stronger version of yourself when you come to your new opportunity. It it happens. Exactly. And, no, that's yeah. a great point. And and surgical robotics certainly is, I think, one of those fields where we talked earlier about passion and loving what you do. I think I think people who get a taste who maybe are in the robotic space and get into surgical robotics and, and med tech arena kind of get the flavor of creating products that can actually do some good. And I suspect it it feeds on. I'm sure I'm sure some will go back to general robotics, industrial robotics, but I suspect yeah. a lot will have uh, been bitten by the med tech bug and we'll we'll try to find other opportunities. And uh, I mean, this is a, a plug for us, but May 10th and 11th, we'll have Device Talks Boston, but we'll also have the Healthcare Robotics Engineering Forum, which is one of ours happening at the same time in the same building and the Robotics Expo. So if you are someone who is interested in healthcare robotics, surgical robotics, and the medtech industry, uh, go to devicetalks.com. If you register That's for right. Device Talks Boston, you can go to all three events and you can stuff your your mind with all things robotics. So it's a, yeah. it's a good opportunity for you to connect with people, but also just to sort of build your knowledge in the space. And speaking of surgical robotics, we were talking this week about a census. They seem to have a lot of things going on. They announced earlier this week that they've got uh, collaboration with Google Cloud yeah. to advance performance-guided surgery. And then yesterday they announced something, uh, an agreement with uh, Carl Storrs on uh, on marketing intelligence surgical unit and co-developing a new vision and instrument platform. So yeah. a, sense, a census is starting to uh, – is starting to uh, – to, to make some moves, which is interesting. Yeah, I know. They were uh, a company where you're like, oh, you know, like, okay. And they're kind of, they got their, you know, their system and they're kind of like, you know, like, okay, you got one or two placements here for this year. Or like, what, uh, you know, where, you know, now it, it seems like some stuff's breaking their way. So, mm-hmm. you know, they just kept at it. So here, here's the hope and that keeps going because, I mean, yep. I, I know they, you know, part of their strategy was kind of saying, look, we're incorporating AI, we're incorporating more. I mean, they've been really trying to innovate and, you know, get kind of an edge there. So, 
And I give those companies credit. I think uh, it's easy for us as reporters to kind of move on to the next thing uh, if we've already reported on a company for a period of time. But uh, it's it's easy for us to forget that there are still people going to work every day in those buildings and, and trying to move yeah. these projects forward. So so totally. so good for them for keeping yeah. after it. And, and uh, it's something we'll we'll definitely keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chris Newmarker, what is number two, right? Number two on the Newmarker? Number two on the list. Um, Medtronic again. I mean, this time it's that there. Medtronic's uh, chief human resources officer, Carol. Carol Surface. She's, uh, (laughs) you know, she's she's leaving for Apple. She's going to be their uh, first chief people officer, which uh, my biggest surprise with that whole story was like that Apple hasn't had a chief per people officer. I mean, they seem like such a company that's so like you know, big on their culture and who they are and stuff, you know, but, but you know, maybe, maybe just having larger than life CEOs was enough or, or something, but. um, Yeah, that is shocking. You have to yeah. think there were some kind of changes there. Yeah. So the, big, the biggest surprise for me was I got a, I was supposed to interview Carol surface for the next Medtronic talks and I got a cancellation noticed four <laughs> like, days before the interview. I'm like, what happened? And then uh, I come to find out, oh, that's why. That would make perfect sense why she wouldn't want to be a Medtronic talk since yes. she's now working for Apple. So, yes. I so. wish I had done the interview just a couple of weeks earlier. It would have been a, would have been a very popular been, episode, I'm sure. I know, right? Like, like if the news gods had just you know smiled down on you more, Tom. You know, but uh, I, I know it, they smile enough upon me, Chris Newmarker. I'm a, I'm a blessed man. Yes. I'm a blessed man. I can't complain. <laughs> So, so Holly, what do, what do you tell? I mean, we've seen Medtronic sort of beef up its HR. We're seeing Apple now. I mean, is is there more of that going on at larger companies, or more attention to people? Is this part of a larger trend, or just something that's 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 happened? There, there's a couple interesting things here with with this one in particular. So, HR in general is 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 in pro in companies that are forward thinking is becoming more of a proactive vehicle. You know, historically speaking, HR has been reactive, keep everyone out of trouble, keep them, keep them on the rails. And now we're Tell seeing more Tell us our co-pays. What is my co-pay again? Exactly. More defense versus offense. But this, this move is, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not at all surprised. Apple has been tapping high level individuals out of Medtronic for many, or I'm sorry, out of the med tech industry for many years uh, sometimes it sticks. Oh yeah, especially on some of their their quieter stealth mode projects. We've seen some incredible talent that have gone over for for various reasons over honestly twenty plus years. It's it's really fascinating that company. And in terms of the the hiring chaotic frenzy that's happened in the last few years with uh, tech, um, that the only company that has really been resilient and has not had to go layoffs has been Apple. Mm. So Apple has withstood a strong mantra of hiring to demand and trying to really not have to, to really prevent the need for mass layoffs. So it's an interesting time for Carol. Um, It'll be an interesting opportunity. And uh, for Medtronic, it'll be, I'd like to see where, who they bring in and, and put in the, in the next yeah. spot, who's next in, in line there. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, we are seeing more cross-pollination between tech and health and, and those lines are continuing to, to blur. And back to, you know, your point about some of the robotics and tech talent that have the option of going to automotive or going to other robotics plays or Look, there's plenty of opportunity in healthcare. We're still seeing 70% of our business incoming with a medical yeah. device classification have a tech component, at least, if not more. So there's 
there's tremendous opportunity on the digital yeah. side. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how HR continues to evolve. Yeah. I, I love the proactive people stance yeah. versus human resources. And Chris, we did see that uh, Medtronic announced that uh, they're expanding the duties of Tarad Neptune, who had per- previously just been head of communications. Uh, he was SVP of corporate marketing and brand. He'll now uh, take some of Carol Surface's duties, including the oversight of the Medtronic Foundation, which is uh, something we highlighted on the Medtronic Talks podcast, which is an effort to increase healthcare access for uh, for folks in communities that aren't getting the access or the healthcare that they need. And also Medtronic Labs, which is uh, described as a healthcare systems platform that, again, is focused on community-based yeah. tech-focused services for underserved patients and families. So uh, they're they're definitely realigning a bit in uh, yeah. at, at Medtronic. So they're 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 pivoting. You know, one interesting. Um thing was um, last week, um, the Medical Alley Association held their annual summit downtown here in Minneapolis. And it was all about HR. It was totally about HR. It was totally about, you know, the, you know, company, you know, culture and kind of like trying to navigate, you know, including like on top of, you know, all these changes with workforce, you've got, uh, you know, the whole question of bringing people back into the office somewhat and navigating that, you know, so, you know, but um, I, I stopped by at the reception afterward and uh, I was hearing stories with all these high tech layoffs going on in, uh, you know, NorCal, you know, they've had, uh, they're, they're, they're going out to NorCal and talking to people, to, you know, they're trying to, you know, get some of this tech talent to you know, the med tech companies around Minneapolis and they don't have to, I think this it's great around here, but they don't have to move here, you know, they could, you know, work remotely, you know, and, you know, maybe down the road. Road, they'll start to get them to visit, you know, in the summertime, you know, and get them hooked up on this place. But, um, you know, they, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of exciting. There's actually kind of an opportunity, you know, around, uh, around here to, I mean, all the med, med tech companies want to get more digital features, want to get AI, want to package all these things around their technologies. And like, um, you know, as tough as these, uh, you know, high tech layoffs are, they're, you know, operating offering an opportunity to bring in people with some, some abilities who could help, you know, med tech, you know, go to where it wants to go. That's a great point, and Holly. I want to I want to focus on your 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 comment about tech companies that have kind of drawn people from med tech. But I, but I do want to explore this point that Chris is bringing up right now. Just as far as remote workers and working from home, I feel like CEOs everywhere are like they've got the box with the stick and the carrot, and they're trying to get workers to get back under the box and get back in the office. Come on, and very gingerly, like they're very carefully, like just waiting. Like, come on, come on, little bunny, just get in there. That's right. Uh, how, how are things looking remote work wise? Are people demanding it? Are they, is that, are there demands for that softening? Are they willing to go back in the office? How does that sort of play into, into recruiting today? I'm, I'm drawing a diagram. I got to bring that, that <laughs> stick and carrot thing to my team. Just a second here. No, uh, in, in, in general, the, the trend is, is certainly a, a momentum to return to FaceTime, you yeah. know, um, it returned to office offices, whatever that might look like. But uh, there's look, people don't realize what they what they missed in the last few years. And and um, they're especially the younger population, the people who are, are early in their career and graduated during COVID or, or shortly before and uh, are accustomed to remote work. They don't know the mentorship that they missed. Yeah. They, they don't know what 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 they they don't see. Um, we all know on this call because we've been in both environments and you see the, the, the pluses and minuses. I mean, there's certainly some benefits and there are some companies we still have. We have them on both sides. We have some that are still 100 percent hybrid and remote, don't want to take on the capital costs of, of brick and mortar. Just no sense to it. And then we have others that are like, look, if they don't want to be in the office every day, I don't even want to have a conversation with them. So, wow. you know, there there's the extreme. But in general, 
the the lessons learned of the last few years have teed up a general return to office preference. Mm, wow! So so I, that that's a fa- that is absolutely a fair a fair trend. Okay, so if someone is if you're talking to a candidate and they say you know, it, obviously it's case to case, but I think a year ago they might have said I'm not moving, and you might have said okay, that's fine. Sounds like today, like it's more like a well. Let me talk to the company. This, things are changing a bit. Yeah, and and I encourage them to to look at that impact for their own growth, yeah. short and long term. Yeah. You know, and and um, right now we're we're and moving forward, you're in a situation where you need to be where your marketability and your experience is going to continue to grow and be leveraged. So I encourage people to think in three year clips. If I go here for three years, even though you don't have to leave at year three, people tend to start thinking about their next move internally or externally after three years. So if you're sitting out and you're going to either hold on for your remote opportunity, you're, you're essentially a paid sniper. You're, you're there to execute on a function. Hmm. And as long as you're executing on your function, you're going to get paid for it. It's not as if you're not going to have a a job, you may or may not have a job, but you, it, you want to think bigger than that. Yeah. You know, what else are you being exposed to? What else are you, what else are you adding to your career toolbox that can be beneficial for you downrange? And if you're adamant about really adamant about most things, including where you're going to work, you're going to limit yourself. You're going to limit yourself. So um, yes, yeah, some clients are saying, look, they got to be back in office. And some individuals are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And the discussion is really around, okay, just understand that if this is this is where you're, you're, you're taking a hard line, there are some things that you're not even going to see that are going to happen in the market, yep. especially in the market where we're at right now, where supply and demand are starting to, to balance again. That's a great point. And I love the three-year clip notion. I certainly apply that in my 20s when I was moving from newspaper to newspaper. You're always looking yeah. for the next opportunity. Chris, I'm sure you were the same way. Yeah. Like, why would I move here? Oh, it's a daily. Oh, it's bigger. Oh, I'm covering this. I'm covering that. I got away from that in my 30s and early 40s. Now that I'm in my 50s and I have fewer clips left, I'm definitely like thinking like every year, like, okay, how does this get, where does it get me a year from now, two years from now, three years from now? And I kind of wish I had held on to that in my 30s and 40s. You have kids, you get distracted. It's natural. But uh, yeah. I think it's good mm-hmm. good advice to to always be thinking in shorter time spans. Don't just don't just expect that you're going to be in this place forever because uh, things, mm-hmm. as we're going to talk about today, certainly change. Uh, with, with the tech yeah. conversation, it was a great point because we we've talked about Verb on this broadcast before and Verily and where that went. Amazon, I want to say, hired people and then unhired them. Um, yeah. How do you sort of if 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 someone is in medtech? And they're looking to join one of these med tech companies and they're, they're, they're talking to you about it. How do you pitch that? Is that something that they should be excited about? Is it something they should be cautious about? Uh, how do you sort of see the, the med tech to tech crossover? So tech to tech to med tech or med tech to tech? I was thinking med tech to tech. So someone joining, going Medtronic to Apple. Um, but if you want to talk mm-hmm. both ways, that's fine. But how, how does that, sure. has that generally been something that, has been a good move for someone to leave medtech to join a tech company on the on the surface. I think, I think very cool. You're mm-hmm. working at Apple. You're all set, but maybe not. Maybe they're kind of out of the medtech streams and they kind of miss opportunities and they they have a harder time finding things back. I guess overall, how does that transition work for mm-hmm. folks? 
Well, I'll speak more to the, the what I've I've done more frequently, which is move people from tech to med tech. Okay. Um, I the, the reason being is is especially well, you mentioned Verb, so we we were hired by Verb um, before they were Verb. They were you know name and idea out of J and J and Google. We were. I don't know. Joe will tell you employee number five, six, seven, whatever we were. We were we were part of the early days and we were building and we were we had this in, in, incredible task to go out and, and lift an organization with 100 plus tech hires in the most competitive place in the country, the Bay Area of California, um, wanting the most sophisticated skill sets that the marketplace could offer. Um, oh, by the way, you can't talk about the robot. And oh, by the way, we can't pay tech dollars. We're not going to be as competitive as Netflix and Facebook and all of this. Mm-hmm. So when, when going into this market, we really had to dial into the mission. And when you're working with an organization that, or, and you're working with a team that understands that the, the psyche of, a, of an engineer is they want to typically build, make an impact scale. Now, if you're sitting at Netflix and you're getting excited because you're putting out a gaming app every six months, you're probably not going to be the person that's going to be um, attracted and courted to a, a med tech play. Mm-hmm. You, we all know that it's a lot more rigor yeah. and, 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 and uh, intricacies in order to get a product over the finish line. But there's a significant po- population that says, you know what? Disney's not doing it for me. Facebook's not doing it for me. Social media, I, I'm excited about making a clinical impact. So yeah. the, the, the message to them at the time was, look, as you're crossing over, we're not taking away what you've gained in tech. What we're offering you is an opportunity to see the world and gain experience in an entirely different area. So you're taking your tech skills and adding to that in the medical domain. And if a few years from now, you decide that you want to leverage that back to another tech play or to an aerospace play or to a, a general automotive play yeah. or something, you certainly can do that. I mean, we were people, we were pulling people from Tesla, we were pulling them from NASA, we were pulling them from all walks of technology to come be part of this, this particular project. And the experience that they gained over the next few years, they were able to leverage wherever they went. Because what you learn in those experiences, when you show you can cross over, and this would go for someone who who goes from medical to tech as well, you show that you have a range of aptitude when it comes to what you can learn, what you can absorb, what you can take on, what you can accomplish, that is not, it's just not there. You're not demonstrating it when you stay within one swim lane your entire career. That versatility is is highly attractive, especially in future leaders, because you think differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You start pulling from different areas of your of your background that you say, oh, you know, this this was really a phenomenal learning lesson that I that I got over at Tesla. And I want to bring it to to this this particular robotics place. So there's lots of, of opportunity to be gained. And and let me be clear on something. When I talk about career moves. I don't consider a move to J&J, Medtronic, Boston, Psy, any safer nor riskier than I do a startup. Hmm. Because in the small companies, you see the writing on the wall. Mm -hmm. You know when your company's bank account is low. You know when the clinical didn't go as expected. You know when your, your CEO is is 
nutty and not able to, to close money. You, you know, you see what's going on in the bigger companies. The moves are happening around you, you know, so, so the puppeteering is is going on. So as an individual, I encourage everyone to think about owning their own career path and really working towards marketability that they expect to see post three years. So that again, that three years just it's just arbitrary, but it's 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 a it's an it's a relative point because most people after two and under four start getting squirmy. They want something new. They want to be tasked with something new, challenging. They want to take on and own something. And if it's not found internally, they move. Yeah, it's a far cry from the days when like my my late grandpa like worked, you know, like 50 years at a pet food factory, you know, working his way up to foreman. I mean, that doesn't, you know, that that's long, long gone. I mean, yeah, there, you know, and those roles are there too, right? We still need factories. We still need certain things. But when you're talking about a, an industry that's as dynamic as healthcare yeah. focused, where the, the, the game is upped every single day by new iterations, new drugs, new devices, new, we all look, we all want to live longer, healthier lives. That's a, that's non-negotiable. It's hundred percent. So yeah. all of these organizations, as they map towards that, they're changing and they're moving. Absolutely. No, that's a great yeah. point. I, I, uh, the one true time I was, was blindsided was, my company, my already medium company was acquired by a bigger company. And I thought, oh, we're all set. We got, the, we got the resources. And they did. They just laid off the entire team that they acquired because they wanted to use their own resources. And I remember getting that phone call and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. But I was working to your earlier point. I was working remote. I didn't talk to people in the hallways. You didn't get a feel for the, it's uh, yeah, you're right. But smaller companies I've been at where, you know, you just kind of talk to someone, you're like, Something feels weird. <laughs> like, does something feel weird to you? Yeah, something right. feels weird to me. And then the news comes a week later. You're like, yeah, I thought so. Like, yeah. okay, uh, that's a great point. Wow, mm-hmm. this is uh, this has been a, been a very informative new markers newsmakers. Yes, Chris. It I feel has. like we're I feel like we're breaking down all of these lessons as, it, as the news comes. So uh, I think we hit everything on this one. You want to roll on to number no, one? Number one. You know, if you want to, why we're be, here actually. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be, you know, following all of the layoffs that are happening in MedTech, we have a, a story on Mass Device that our uh, associate editor Sean Hooley put together layoffs in MedTech. These are the companies that recently reduced their workforce, and you can, you know, go through the whole list. I mean, by our count, you know, for you know reporting since the middle of last year, it's uh, you know more than you know sixteen thousand jobs in the space. You know, like, um, and and frankly, I, I I I I'm sure we're missing you know other things. I mean, there've been you know just you know some ongoing layoffs at some, you know, big companies restructuring. But, you know, as far as like, you know, the announcements, you know, and like the things that we've caught, you know, in our reporting, you know, there's there's a good good list here of, you know, all the um everything that's going on here. Yeah, we've got 3M, Ackley, Ambu, Baxter, Butterfly, Illumina, Paratherapeutics, Philips, Retractable Technologies, Surgiline, Sermotics, Titan, which we've talked about, Venus Concept. Verily, which we've talked about, yeah, and vicarious surgical, which we mentioned earlier. Okay, so, sixteen thousand, ten thousand are at Phillips, you know, and that's and that's actually and we've talked about that. Very special, <laughs> yes, we've talked about about that. A, a huge respiratory devices recall they've had that's just been been terrible. So, um, yeah, the other takeaways from the list, I, I see, you know, Achilles and Peer had some pretty heavy cuts, so kind of calls into question digital therapeutics and, and, and digital healthcare and, and whether that has legs. Uh, you know, others just sort of, I mean, we talked about vicarious and Chris, you mentioned earlier, I mean, it was more of a, a it's, it looks as if the jobs were cut from sales and marketing and they really want to yeah. 
focus on the engineering and really get their their product to market as quickly as possible and meet their their time frame. So uh, I, I think there's a factor going on, you know, with with interest rates going up, money just isn't as easy to get as it used yeah. to be. So you know, back. Yeah. Back a year or two ago, you know, you could have a larger sales, you know, force, you know, in anticipation of a future launch. And now it's kind of like, you know, no, we need to be a little more careful here, you know, and, you know, and focus on what, what's the most important thing we need to do here, which is, you know, get, get your product to market, you know. So, you know, um, you know, I think, I think that's, that's been, you know, a factor as well. The money just, I mean, do you have that sense, Holly, that just money just isn't as easy as it used to be to, to get? Oh, well, yeah, and this is stemming from the last few years of the the inflated valuations for, for younger companies and the and the, the bullish investors coming in from different markets. And there's there's a lot driving that interest and uh, and creating uh, this. Yeah, creating this this so many of these companies we're in this, what I call frenzy hiring mode. Mm -hmm. So if the tech companies are competing for tech players and they know they have to move fast, there was a lot of hiring going on at such a rapid pace. Put it this way, we couldn't even do a salary survey because yesterday was rear view mirror. The salary increases were so substantial on literally a, a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis that it was impossible to track except in real time. So that can't continue forever. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I, I feel deeply for those who are impacted by decisions made outside of their control. However, for all of us as humans, this is, this is natural and it's the way of life. We have to get back to some sort of balance mm -hmm. when it comes to supply and demand yeah. and, and real focused work. A lot of this, this common theme in these companies is, is real focus work that is that is getting taking all the 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 maybes and the and the stealth projects that they were working on or maybe had ideas on and focusing on what's today and doubling down. So, it, in principle, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah. Um. It it really does move towards where a healthier balance lies. And the good news is the job market was so hot. I, I think people who you know, let go in this. I it it kind of it kind of feels that you know if you know you, you you can land somewhere else cool right now. It's not. It, it doesn't feel like it's a situation like you know when when I first moved to Minneapolis, I took a reporting job here the day the I, I was offered the job the day before Lehman collapsed. Like you know, I was like, wow, I'm mo I'm moving to a new job. Like while the world like the economy is ending. I mean, that was a tough. I mean, I'm I'm glad I I was able to you know write it through there for a few years during that that recession i mean it, i i just don't have those vibes right now that we're like in that that type of situation yeah how do you do this holly i mean we, we, is this we've, yeah. we've got all the numbers on a, on a document uh if you hold mm -hmm. them all up together even though a lot of them are from phillips it looks like a lot but does this and you kind of alluded to this does this just feel like sort of a natural part of the process and and we'll we'll sort of Will will those folks who have been displaced will be uh reabsorbed back into the industry yeah, I, I, I mean, there's two sides to it. The macro side is this is this is normal and in, in a balancing. Well, I don't know. If I, can I use the word normal anymore? Do we even know what normal means anymore? Uh, as long as put new before, yeah. But in general, this is this is this is expected. Let me put it that way. This is this is expected. And at the end of the day, you know, we have we have a market that continues to 100 uh, percent of us want to raise human health. So healthcare is going to always be an area of core focus. And the challenge in, in our world today then is we have the macro 
conditions that are going on. And then each of us individually are bombarded with information that we're not asking for on a minute to minute basis from the phone, from whatever it is. And most of it, unfortunately, it sounds like terrible news. Sounds like the world is, 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 is going to be turned upside down, but there are still, there's tremendous money that is going into resourcing and driving technologies and, and giving access globally to healthcare. So keep your eye on the ball, mm-hmm. you know, keep your eye on the ball. That's definitely, that's definitely going on. And like you experienced, no matter what's going on in the world, the impact yeah. of the individual is different. Unemployment's at 3.4%, yeah. okay? We're, yeah. we're not talking about, you know, they, 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 that's, the that's forecast the is like 500,000. Like, <laughs> it's what I'm saying. Let's, let's you know, seriously, I, I think we just have to check ourselves yeah. and ensure that we, we try and stay focused on what is most important to the individuals in, that are impacted. I see you as, as Kevin Bacon in Animal House. You know, please remain calm. Everyone just please. <laughs> but let's, 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 let's talk about the, <laughs> uh, the macro. I agree with you 100%. Let's go to micro. I mean, sure. uh, we've all been in position. I, I mentioned I got laid off in 2014. I was kind of not happy about it, but I was done with writing. I wanted to do something different, but I didn't have the courage to give up my, to your point, quote unquote, steady paycheck, which proved to be very unsteady. Uh, and I use those those months to be really selective. I think I could, probably could use them a little more effectively, but I had never done that before. I think I would. I'm not asking for this layoff, gods, but if it were to happen again, I think I'd have a plan. But what mm-hmm. someone who on a micro level who has been one of the, the the thousands that have lost their job, maybe they want the same job they had before. Maybe they didn't. What's what's a good process for them to go through right 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 now to sort of to 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 make sure that their next step is the right step. Sure. Yeah. No, happy, happy to address this because this is, this is important. I don't want to minimize the emotional impact. I know it is of course, yeah. absolutely gutting. You know, it's absolutely gutting and, and people who go through it have a certain period where they need to grieve. However, as a business person, as someone that you can consider a coach in this area, I'm going to tell you not to cry in your Kool-Aid for long. Okay. So let's, let's take control of what we can and let's really get action in place that can, get you your next opportunity because we have more tools available to us today mm-hmm. to to own our career path than ever before. LinkedIn is an amazing asset. It's the first time in all of our lifetimes that you can actually actively look for a job while your boss sees it every day <laughs> and, and not be outed. You know, it's just, it's amazing. I'm being social. So, I'm just being social. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> So, you know, in terms of steps, step one, you know, think of yourself as a business, mm-hmm. okay? Um, rather than I'm an individual who's been paid for this function, think of yourself as a business. I am a director of marketing and I have been leading products that are specific to cardiology for the last five plus years. This is what I do. This is the value I bring to the market. I understand this particular segment. And now we want to create our business plan. What is our mission? What do we want to do again? And, and I, want, I want you to take this exercise, you know, day one, cry, day two, get to work. And day two is where you're going to really focus on, here's what I do well. And, and ask yourself, but also ask people around you, 
what have you, my peer, the last few years seen that I do really well? What have you, my former boss, seen that I do really well? What are some of my shortcomings? Don't be afraid to know yourself. This is a great opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. Let's rip all the band-aids off. Let's get to know what we do well. Second is assess your finances, okay? Because when people operate from a position of financial insecurity, they're often they're misinterpreted when they're in a when in career search. So it it doesn't it doesn't owe it doesn't work for you in your favor if you're operating from a position of desperation or financial mm-hmm. insecurity because it comes back to fear. Yeah, it really does. And when you operate in fear, um, if you're in fear, then you exude fear on those around you, and it's just not a natural. There, there it ends up being. Eh, I'm not sure. There's something about that person. I'm just not one of them on the team. You know, that that's the feedback that we end up getting. So mm-hmm. try to check your finances so that you are minimized, and just like a business would do, that you have your burn under control for as long as you possibly can, because I'd rather you have a longer runway and be surprised at how short you find something. Right. And and, and, so, and apply for unemployment. That was something I didn't do. I didn't like. I'm like, oh, I'll find something quick. I don't need unemployment. That's one of the things I would do different. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like you, I limited my options right. by not applying. So next, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's cry, what cry, cry day that's one, apply for unemployment day two, but continue. <laughs> that's right. That's right. On your list. Well, the right? worst piece of advice anyway your- gets is like, you know, it's like, oh, you were laid off. Like, you know, take a few weeks off, you know, just relax. Like, no, no, you got to get get going with stuff. Yeah, well, some people need that. You know, I, I can only speak to experiences of the people that I work with. You know, the power players, the force multipliers in companies, you put them on vacation too long, they're usually uncomfortable anyway. So we're not talking about people that are that are going to be pulled out of their craft and be happy doing so. You know, when you've got this looming over your head that your your money is finite, then yep. you, you typically want to you know, get something going. So, so it, it make sure that you've crystallized art, you've got your marketing plan, or you've got your business plan. Now, what is your marketing campaign going to look like? And I and I mean this sincerely, as either as anyone as technical as an engineer, a software engineer, a scientist, or someone who's on the commercial side, think about who and what, who is the who are the people who would want to absorb your special skills mm-hmm. who who would you add value to mm-hmm. who is that target population and with linkedin with our google with the the access to to information these days you can create a plan you can create a list of companies that you're interested in sharing your value with you can find out who the key stakeholders are around your role. If I'm a director of marketing cardiology, I can find out who the VPs of marketing are in, in every major minor cardiology company. It's it, that That's the easy part yep. now. Keep an organized track of your activity there. So you have your list and then you're going to reach out. You're going to ask to connect on LinkedIn with a well-thought-out message. Hey, we share industry contacts. We're in the same, same industry. We'd love to connect with you. Once you connect with them, you have access to an email. You can email them directly with a great to meet you. Thank you for the connection. Wanted to share with you that I've recently been impacted by this rift that you probably have heard of. I would love to chat with you about what your organization's up to. In particular, I'm interested in 
the diagnostic platform that you're working on with the AI, or I'm interested in the new valve work that you're doing. Get get specific. If they think you're a rope email and, a, and uh, they're going to toss it, yep. but if you are really detailed and spend time on this plan and work your plan, so you're going to put out your emails, you're going to follow up in a week because you're not going to hear from everybody. Okay, let's let's face it. This is a marketing campaign. You're going to follow up with them in a week. Hey, just wanted to remind you that I am interested. I'm very open to your organization. And at the same time, you're going to interact and engage with the company's content because we have the we have a huge advantage. We don't have to be at the cocktail party anymore. We don't have to hand out business cards to make that kind of recognition. I can go to Tom's feed and see what Device Talks is doing every day and like and comment, and I'm going to be engaging with him and getting to know him. And he's going to, at some point, say, who's this crazy Holly that keeps commenting on everything? <laughs> and the people, please, the people who are, 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 are affected that this is like, I know it's like pulling out your eyelashes one by one. The tech engineers, the software people, the people who are in R&D, who their personality is like, I just want to sit in the corner and do my thing. Yeah, right. Give yourself an opportunity to do this and you will be surprised. Put yourself, push yourself out of that comfort zone. You will be surprised at how much comes back to you this way. Well, Chris, it, it is go out, it go out and do some networking events like a, <clears throat> device talks or, you know, like device talks for sure. I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there. Right. No, but, but, <laughs> and, uh, and please, everyone should be there. Go to device talks.com. But, but Chris, if you had a biomedical engineer who was on LinkedIn, who was active, who's sharing their thoughts about designing this, working on that within what they're able to share, of course, but yeah. just being out there, how much would you love that as a, as an editorial type? How much would you be like, I'm following that person. I want to hear what oh, their insights are. Cause you're, you're writing fantastic. about this stuff and you want to know what they're thinking. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, totally. And you know, if, uh, if they're comfortable, they could eventually be, uh, you know, some kind of expert source in something I'm writing, you know, so there you go. They could get their uh, name out even more. So. Absolutely. I mean, totally. And, and yeah, we joke about Holly and obviously I know you and the Mullings group, but I also know like people who like my stuff all the time. I'm like, oh, like you do get to know them. I'm like, oh, good. I'm glad they're I'm glad they're checking in. I never have talked to them. Okay. Whatever someone connects with me on LinkedIn, I always message them and thank them. And sometimes they'll thank they'll they'll reply and explain why they're connecting. And it's great. It's great to connect with. I love hearing that stuff. So yeah, people should definitely be using LinkedIn. Absolutely. I think LinkedIn's the best. I mean Oh, it's it's fantastic. We don't want that to be your only game though. Nope. Okay. I also I also want you to reach out to the people you've worked with today, yesterday, the past, anyone in your industry, and make sure you are working that network, okay? Uh, that's the old-fashioned phone call. That's your neighbor's friend who also is in med tech. That's all. Everyone should know that you are interested in continuing to add value to the marketplace that you serve because that, that, that confidence, that energy, those conversations, they multiply and they'll come back to you. Um, the other in incredibly important point as we look at 2023 is we have come off a lot the last few years of the hiring frenzy that I've, I've been sharing with you. With that, salaries were ridiculous, okay? And, and we have to prepare for an adjustment. So please be conscious of the fact that your comp may be close to it may not be all of what you're accustomed to or what you have earned for the last year. You may have to take a, a slight hit. Um, you don't have to go out and volunteer that in the first interview that you're willing to do it. 
But at the end of the day, check your expectations. Because this, this, this supply and demand is leveling a bit, you are going to be competing potentially with individuals that are perhaps not in the same cost bracket as you. And, right. and you don't want to be seen as that being a hindrance. And, and the same goes with titles. I would much rather a VP stay in the game with a real strong director, head of title of some kind, and they're doing really good, meaningful, impactful work that's going to continue to give them challenge and gain skills in a few years than have somebody say, oh, man, I've been a CEO and I just... if What's it going to mean on my resume right. if I go from a CEO and... And I said, let me tell you something. Like, what's it going to mean if you're sitting out for six months plus? It right. means you're missing valuable world experience that we can continue to make you marketable on. No, that's a great point. Great point. I, I look. I, I hope I tried to give actionable tangibles that people can turn on right away. Yep. Um, goes without saying, connect with our firm. Connect with our firm for a few reasons. Not just because we're a direct. We're more of a direct and indirect conduit for you because when I connect with Tom on LinkedIn, I'm connected now indirectly to all of Tom's connections. And by connecting with our firm at the Mullings Group, you're connected indirectly with 150,000 people in the med tech industry. So how cool is that? That's just going to expose, increase your exposure. That's great. And I, and I would add my last experience from my experience, um, I had the opportunity to go into a similar job that would have been similar to the job I wanted to leave. And I almost took it because it was what I knew and it was safe. And unfortunately, my wife and others talked me out of it because they could hear I wasn't really excited about it. Follow the thing that makes you that makes you excited, even if it's a little riskier, even if it's a little further out in the stream and, the, and it looks a little like a less stable rock, it's still going to get you further out in the stream. And then you kind of figure out what you're doing once you're out there. So take this opportunity to, if you can, obviously responsibly, take a chance and really Pursue pursue something that that makes you happy and that gets you excited. So I hope I hope people have that same opportunity as they're in this transition. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are in in need of something else to do, I, I expect a job a real job search takes at least three hours a day. Okay, so three hours a day if you're mapping out your world, at least Monday through Friday for three hours a day. You're mining LinkedIn. You're working your network. You're engaging with companies of interest. You're 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 doing the old fashioned. You still need to look for for job hostings and you know applying and setting up interviews and such. Um, try to give yourself to some time to check out as well because if you are monopolized with job search all the time, that three hour window after three hours go do something else. It's a great time to volunteer. It's a great time to, and you can volunteer with organizations that'll keep you in the game too, mm -hmm. okay? So you can stay in healthcare, you can stay current. It's a great time to take a class. It's a great time to, up again, up your skills, up your game, evolve. Let this opportunity create a more empowered and a stronger career person for your next opportunity and moving forward. I trained for my, my first half marathon. I had a lot of opportunities to run, so it was great. And I got to do there it. There you go. Much value. I mean, I, I'd say one thing I had, uh, one experience I had in my career was, um, you know, there there was a period and where I was freelancing and that, you know, that actually enabled me to, you know, you know, land my next next position because, you know, somebody I was, you know, doing work with was like, you know what, you're, you're so good at this, you know, 
know, we just want to hire you and get you in here to, to do it. And, you know, I mean, that, that's kind of interesting, this kind of gig economy right now. You got people working on contract freelancing. I mean, you know, if you're in between jobs, I mean, try to do some of that, you know, make some extra money, you know, that, that way. And you might find your, your next job doing that. I mean, that'd be just something I'd say for mm-hmm. my own experience. Oh, it's huge. There's, I have a, I'm in the process of a, of an executive um, close at a C, C-suite level role. And um, he's bringing to the organization a, a, a strong background, but not specific disease state experience that we usually look for. However, he had a small consultancy with a company in this particular disease domain that ended up becoming the, the nail for him. That's what got him the offer. It's yeah. like, okay, they got over the hump. He knows he knows it enough to do what he needs to do in this role. He's got 99% of everything else we want. And he has a snippet of exposure to this area. So you never know where those opportunities are going to, to take you. So if you have an opportunity to learn and continue to grow and, and flex the muscles exactly. that you built so far, keep it going. Keep it going. Yeah. Great Fantastic. stuff. All right. Well, uh, we've uh, taken a lot of your time. This topic is uh, is a good one, and yeah. uh, I hope people have found it informative. Holly, you mentioned LinkedIn. You meant, mentioned social media. How can folks find you uh, out there in social media land? Oh, well, definitely LinkedIn. Holly Scott, the Mullings Group. It's holly at mullingsgroup.com. Very easy. We're on Instagram. We're we're doing the usual channels, but yeah, LinkedIn is is our our biggest our biggest hub. And, and but I'm have- looking forward to seeing everybody at the at the at the show in May. Yeah, Device Talks Boston, May 10th and 11th. And you have quite the yeah. media empire there at Mullings Group. Uh, you've got a couple of podcasts of your own, right? Uh, what are the, Give us the names. We do, yes. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of fun with Tech Talks. Tech Talks is the latest one where I'm, I in, invite my, my C-suite founders, typically, that are coming in and talking about their latest and greatest innovation. And then I also have one called The Power Curve, which uh, allows individuals to reflect on where they've been and how they got to C-suite and helping to uh, offer advice and insight to those who are are climbing the ladder and in their years. I love I love focusing on those those critical moments in life when you choose path A or path B. So good good stuff. Very cool. Chris Newmarker, where can folks find you out there? Hey, you can find me on LinkedIn, Chris Newmarker, just like a new marker. Always happy to chat. All right. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. Tom Salemi, S-A-L-E-M-I. I'm kind of back on Twitter again, at MedTech Tom. Uh, I'll just keep it to, to MedTech stuff or complaining about the Red Sox. But uh, <laughs> and there's a lot to complain about. There. Anyway. You're still doing Wordle, Tom? Still I'm still doing, doing Wordle, but I, I'm not posting my results anymore because someone was, uh... knew my first word guess and they were using it to to... to to improve their chances at it. and Darn them. And plus, I just got tired of posting. But uh, yes, I'm still doing Wordle and still enjoying it. So, Chris Newmarker, what do we want folks to do with this podcast? Hey, you got to like, follow, subscribe. That's right. Like, follow, and or subscribe to the Device Talks Podcast Network. You will get Device Talks po- Podcast, <laughs> Device Talks Weekly Podcast every Friday. Uh, Intuitive Talks, we'll have an episode of that coming out very soon. Striker Talks, uh, a couple of weeks for the next one there. And uh, coming up is Boston Scientific Talks. I'm actually recording our first Woo-hoo. interview today. So uh, probably have the that out. smorgasbord of awesome content. Lots of great MedTech stories. And of course, Medtronic Talks uh, is sort of our uh, our first company-affiliated podcast that has its yeah. own channel. You can find that at MedtronicTalks.com. Again, any major podcast player, Google, Spotify, Apple, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and yes, Device Talks Boston happening May 10th and 11th. Go to devicetalks.com. I'm working on the agenda. It's nearly done. We'll have it up there next week. 
uh, or I will get uh, soundly beaten by our, uh, our events team. But uh, lots of great stuff coming coming our way. So uh, so keep an eye on devicetalks.com. And uh, Chris Newmarker, where, where should I get my, my mental device news? Oh, you go to massdevice.com. And, you know, I encourage you to sign up for our daily Mass Device Plus 5 newsletter. Absolutely. Great insights there every single day in your inbox. All right. Well, Holly, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Well, definitely. This is awesome. Definitely have you back. All right. And thanks, everybody, for really useful advice. I hope like we were able to help out some people during uh, during these times. Likewise. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. And uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us on this episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.